you're here, you already sense there's something out there, something magical and mysterious, just waiting for you to find. And you've probably already discovered it isn't as easy as just thinking happy thoughts. You're not alone. Generations of shamans, philosophers, seers, and scientists have pursued this eternal quest. Where their ideas come together, you'll find powerful tools to cultivate magic and self-mastery in your own life. Welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Woodwell. I'm a former journalist, an author, a master astrologer, and a hermetic initiate, and it's my honor to be your guide. In each episode, I'll meet you at the crossroads of science and spirit, reason and intuition to help you discover the wisdom that works for you. Are you ready? The adventure awaits. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. This is episode 30, my astrology horoscope for February 2022. Okay, let's face it. I am a Virgo. I like to plan. Doing a podcast without a script is something I don't like to do. I love to go and down the research holes. I love to write it all out in advance. And I love to present you with the most comprehensive information I can. And people like my podcast when I do that. But people also love my teachings when I just go out there and rant with a general few bullet points and fill in the details as I go along. I decided to try something new this month, which is a brave for me. But basically, I've just pre-recorded my monthly forecast live with all of the members of my coven. And I've snipped out a few excerpts to share with you in this podcast. So this is kind of a hybrid podcast. You're getting me recorded now in the privacy of my own office with the live from, well, my office <laughs> presentation of the forecast that I recorded a few weeks ago. Before we dive into the details, don't forget that I made headings and timestamps for this live presentation, and I've added them to the show notes for this podcast, as well as the links to anything else that I happen to mention during the episode. You can find these at the show notes at www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast. And as always, don't forget to stay until the end, where I'm going to give you a little experiment, a little bonus for tuning into this podcast that you can try out for yourself so that you can make some magic in your own world. I hope you enjoy the forecast for the month. Let's get started. We are in Aquarius season, and you may know that I have a far different interpretation of Aquarius than you might see in the peace and love, and we are all in the age of Aquarius people. Because I honestly think we are already in the Aquarian age. We are in the Aquarian age, and we have been in Aquarius territory for a few hundred years now. So we are at the, since we're at the very beginning of it, um, what we are seeing with the divisions between people, with the my way or the highway approach with the continued fragmentation into little micro groups that is aquarian energy that is very much aquarian energy aquarius is an air sign traditionally speaking ruled by saturn and so that's our thoughts and our ideas bounded with the limitations and the solitude of saturn and so this 
postmodern world that we're struggling with, trying to find meaning when people are saying nothing means anything, is the teenagers trying to figure out how to cope with the Aquarian age. And so if you look around the world, it isn't the prettiest process at the moment because we have to learn a whole new way of approaching this kind of energy. Now, the ancients used to talk about Aquarian energy. When the sun moves into Aquarius, if, if the sun is in the middle of the summertime, in the Northern hemisphere, the sun is in Leo. The sun is high in the sky. It's illuminating everything. The days are really long and the nights are really short. When the sun is in Leo, it is in rulership. It's in charge. It's happy. It feels supported by the seasons. It's in its element. But from the point of view of the Northern Hemisphere, when the sun is in Aquarius, it's the middle of winter. The sun is really low to the sky. It's really cold. The nights are longer than the days. The sun is not in its element. The sun is in detriment. And so think in terms of seasonal affective disorder. Now, the tendency to be lethargic, maybe a little bit of depressed, maybe a little bit isolationist, because you are holed up in your cave waiting for the warmth to come back. And it's been a long winter already by this point because the spring hasn't even gotten here yet. So Aquarian energy is not the easiest when it comes to the ego self. It's hard to get that sense of vitality that the sun brings that gives us the creative energy to shine into the world. But the reason we go through these shifts of feeling one side of the polarity to the other side of the polarity and back again, which is what astrology represents. It represents the natural polarities that we are moving through as we move through time. The positive things that it can teach us is to take some time, take some time out. Saturn was the original planet that connected us to solitude and to the monastery and to places of retreat so that we could reconnect with more transcendent things. It was the original planet of mysticism. And so being able to den up gives you a chance to turn inward and reconnect to something spirit, something bigger than yourself, beyond the self, in a way that's harder to do when you're constantly surrounded by the swirl of life. And so that's the benefit that Aquarius season can bring us a little bit of time out to consider the big picture. Uh, so in honor of this particular Aquarius season, every Aquarius season happens once a year, about this time of year. When it opened, when the sun moves into Aquarius, the moon happens to be in the sign of Leo, which is the sun sign. Uh, and that is a great combination to start Aquarius season. It's a great combination because Leo is like the little merry fireplace, burning away, chasing away the shadows and the cold. So if we're gonna be locked up in a, in a cabin, surrounded by snow, 
isolated from the world. Don't you really want a little fireplace burning to keep you company? I do. It, it gives us a little sense of comfort that we wouldn't necessarily have every Aquarius season. And it seems perfect for storytelling. So another thing about Aquarius season, which is great, is it's off. It's awfully good at the big picture when it wants to be. It can put things into context because its emotions aren't so engaged. It's a little bit more detached. It's a little bit more reserved and aloof. And so every Aquarius season is the perfect time to tap into what's going on in the larger story. And right now in that larger story, we are tied up in a, a kind of a four year mini cluster of where the all the outer, outer planets happen to be, not changing signs, giving us a cosmic script to work with. A, if you wanna talk in evolutionary astrology terms, it's the life lesson that we are all working with as a collective. You know, it's the story that the world soul is working on, that all of us together and each of us individually might relate to different parts of it, depending on our particular circumstances or on our own particular, particular birth chart. But the big picture is what we all get to move through just to make sure that the whole collective, the whole egregore of us is getting a chance to experience things from all different points of view over time so that we grow holistically. So at this point in time, right now we have Saturn in the sign of Aquarius, which gives an Aquarian feel to this moment in time that is much stronger than we've seen in a, lo a long time. Aquarius keeps coming up over and over again. So you know, what was sort of the beginning, the, the, the dawning of the age of Aquarius, we are really moving into the Aquarian energy proper right now. We're, we're moving into the grown-up version of Aquarius, and we're going to see what it will bring us over time. So let's talk about Saturn. Saturn is the slowest moving of the visible planets takes about 30 years from our position on earth to appear to circle the entire uh, the entire solar system all 12 of the zodiac signs saturn's name in ancient greek was chronos and chronos was the titan who ruled over the golden age it was a golden age of humanity because all of the humans had temperance they had perfect self-discipline so that there was no need for war for strife everyone was basically nice to each other because they knew how to act within appropriate limits there was no need to go out and rape and pillage because you're envious of other people or you're afraid you're not going to have enough everyone just took care of themselves and that was the golden age that chronos ruled over and all was well and happy and the greeks used to look for look back to that age as the place we were before we all fell into our current human existence of strife and, and unhappiness how did that fall happen well it happened because saturn chronos a a prophet a seer came into the village one day and and told saturn that one of his children would grow up 
to overthrow him. And Saturn freaked out. He's like, no, no, that cannot let that happen. And so Saturn decided to eat his children. One after another, he just started consuming them because he was so terrified that they were going to unseat him and take away his power. Well, this went on four or five children later, you know, his wife and his mother were like, uh-uh, we're, we're done with the child eating. And so they took the last child, happened to be Zeus, hid, her, hid him away in a cave where he was raised by goats and ordered to grow up. And when he did, came and found his dad, Saturn, and said, uh-uh, no more of this, no more eating, <laughs> no more eating your young. And he defeated Saturn, disgorged all the children and got them back. And so the moral of the story is Saturn in his fear created exactly what he was most afraid of. If he hadn't been eating his children, there would have been no reason for one of them to grow up and overthrow him. And, and so the message of Saturn and Aquarius is often what we think we are creating. And this is the lesson of the Aquarian age that we are all struggling with right now. And it's going to take us thousands of years to sort it out. So if you think this is a short-term thing, mm -mm. it's going to take, you know, another 1500 years before we even get close to understanding what this means for us. But you have to keep this in mind when you are looking out at the world around us that especially right now we are coming to grips with understanding how our belief structures are creating the life in which we find ourselves it's a lot harder for a collective to figure out these things than it is for individuals to start figuring out these things and in a way that's what the school of magic and mastery is all about it's giving you opportunities through the mechanism of playing with magic to understand how your beliefs, how your relationship to your reality bubble, because Aquarius is all about the reality bubble. Aquarius is an air sign ruled by Saturn. Air is our perceptions. Saturn is our edges. You put those things together and you get the edges of our perception, the shaping what the shape of our perceptions. That's our reality bubble. That's our worldview. We are learning how to work with our worldviews and how when we change them, we can change how we experience the world. And we don't really have a mechanism at the moment for us to do that as a whole society. No particular nation or continent has that kind of feedback mechanism yet. But internally, we are starting the process. We are starting to be more reflective within so that we can start owning up to how our intentions, our perceptions, are not only creating our world, but how we can step in and change them. So that part of the story, that Saturn part of the story, would have been accessible to the ancients because Saturn was their slowest moving planet. And you can see it up there. The modern planets, the ones that we've discovered in the next couple hundred years, they can always have their mythological place too, or we wouldn't be able to see them and talk about them. They're in our awareness. We might as well add them into the mixture. For the moment, let's just stick with the, with the 
mostly newly discovered planets. So Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus. And what they have to say, what they, what, what they add to this story that's going on over the next four years. And I say starting in 2019 and ending in March of 2023, because March of 2023 is when Saturn and Pluto change signs and they change the story again. So right now, Pluto's still in Capricorn, has been there since 2008. Neptune is in Pisces and Uranus is in the sign of Taurus. All three of these planets, Capricorn, Pisces, and Taurus are all nocturnal signs. They're all more internally focused and their energy is a little more passive and reactive. That doesn't mean that they're less powerful. It just means that they're happening on a less conscious level, a less, they're more internal level with how they are moving and shifting. And that's affecting how it makes us feel. It makes it feel like there's more fate going on than free will to act. So every planet has an unconscious expression, how it expresses itself when we aren't using its gifts, just like for Saturn, its unconscious expression is fear. Its conscious expression is self-discipline and temperance. For the outer planets, the unconscious expression of Pluto is shame and decay. And it's in Capricorn, and Capricorn represents the big institutions and structures of our lives. And so Pluto in Capricorn is revealing the rot and the decay in the large scale institutions in which we live and work. That includes how we relate to the planet, how we relate to the government, how we relate to big corporations. And Pluto also seeks to purge it. So there's this desire to break away from what no longer supports us. Neptune in Pisces dissolves and confuses at its unconscious expression. It dissolves into escapism and fantasy and difficulty distinguishing fantasy from what is true. Uranus is a shocking agent. It shocks us into being individuals. When it's in Taurus, it's shocking us out of our comfort zone because Taurus is all about what feels good, what feels safe, what feels yummy. Uranus is shocking us out of that. So ordinary things feel threatening on some deep level. So we're trying to break free from the things that once made us feel safe. So put all those things together and you may, when the next time you happen to be reading the news or talking to your friends and consider that that's kind of where we've been for the last few years. I mean, all of these planets have been in their signs, the same signs since the latter part of 2019. So all of 2020 and the pandemic, all the way through until, as I said, March of 2023, we're, we're in it. We're in what you'd call in alchemy, the negredo, the breaking down of things. And it comes from this feeling of uncertainty, things aren't working, and not knowing where to go next. 
So sometimes in astrology and you wish you could just say, oh, it'll all get better, especially if you use the positive sides. We can talk about the positive sides and we will in a moment, but we also have to recognize that even if we're using the positive sides, we're gonna have to do the work, which takes time until things shift on the global scale. And so for people who are like, okay, the pandemic's over, the pandemic's over, everything's better. Yeah, you're gonna keep saying that until March of 2023. So we've got at least another year of this. And part of the maturation process, part of learning how to grow up is simply learning how to work with what is. So we can think about the positive expressions of this. You know, in the case of Pluto, on the positive side, lances things so that they can heal. You can't heal your shadows if you can't see them. And so Pluto in Capricorn shows us our shadowy underbits. It shows us the things that we need to bring into the con in, into our consciousness so that we can recognize them for what they are, make space for them so that we can grow up. That's what the process of maturation is all about. It's about not projecting our shadows off onto other people, not denying them, not running away from them, but recognizing them for the source of power that they are, bringing them into us and reintegrating. For Neptune, Neptune and Pisces can bring a lot of compassion. It can bring compassion for the self. It can bring compassion for other people because it dissolves and lets us touch that all oneness side can be terrifying for people who are who lack a strong sense of identity because when you have when you don't have a sense of core identity um and you feel like you're dissolving into the situation you kick and scream because you feel like you're losing your sense of freedom your sense of self it's like annihilation so it's not an easy thing to work with but it's the only solution you have to let go in order to be able to dissolve into that place where you can find the healing. Um, some people will use a spiritual connection to do that. Some people will use, you know, marijuana and all the other drugs that they're working on legalizing. Uh, but the impetus is there to make space to feel compassion for wherever we are in the human experience. And it is not an easy place to be right now. If you are a thinking, observing person and you're looking around at the world and you're seeing the meltdown, the meltdown of civil society, the meltdown of the environment, things that just require human creativity and compromise to work out aren't being done because our shadow keeps getting in our way. That's hard. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. My daughter, who is a teenager, comes home every day struggling with things like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. The MIT came out with a report saying that we are going to be entering a dystopian future by 2020. I mean, 20, 2040. So if the world's going to fall apart in my lifetime, what am I? I'm not going to have kids. I mean, she's saying these things out loud. She's struggling with how to, how to, resolve the future that we are moving into. And if you're not a little bit terrified, 
or a lot terrified, <laughs> you're not paying attention. So we're all having to learn how to create a little bit of compassion for ourselves as we are on this crazy ride. Unfortunately, Uranus and Taurus can give some amazingly creative and innovative ways to work with our everyday mundane stuff. It can do things like, you know, create super duper batteries that enable us to transform our needs for fossil fuels, or it can find ways to capture carbon from the atmosphere and slow down, um, slow down our ecocide of the planet. So those things are possible and can give us a little bit of hope. So even though this is a difficult time, the Negredo, Negredo periods are never easy. They're terrifying. They're confusing. And figuring out how to deal with them requires a lot of spiritual growth, quite frankly. But everyone says they want spiritual growth. So why are we upset that we have to grow now? I mean, that's what people say they want. And everything around us is giving us the perfect time to do it. No one said it had to be easy, but it's necessary. Okay. So this is the place that we are right now. And the healing comes from being present to this. Even if we have to sit it up on the back shelf, as we focus on our day-to-day -day tasks, this may not be the something I can do about today. But it is the field in which all of the choices I am making are happening. So let's go on to look at what's happening in the coming months. What else is happening in Aquarius season? Well, we have personal planets that move much more quickly that help us define what is happening on the more micro level, so the month to month level. And these personal, more personal planets give us more fodder for our personal psyches to like sink our little fingers into so that we can use them more creatively in our own world. Mostly because they move so fast, you know? Yes, they affect everybody, but because they are more relatable to different parts of our psyche, they give us some creative brainstorming options for how we wanna make choices over the coming weeks and months. Now, starting with, we'll just start with the slowest moving of all those. We'll start with Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter happens to be in Pisces now, and he will be in Pisces there from now until May. So we've got like a several month period here. Uh, we already talked about Neptune in Pisces and the dissolving that it brings. Jupiter in Pisces just amps that up. A lot more focus on our sense of meaning, our sense of purpose, but also our need for compassion and making space to be more present and listen to the other. That's the way through. No matter what is happening, many places are seeing the, boat, the birth of small, small organizations, small nonprofits that are trying to create space for dialogue among different groups of people so that we can begin to heal the divisions 
in civil society that had been largely created by our rapidly changing technology, putting us into our own little, our own little identity pods. <laughs> and when there's no common spaces and there's no sense of community, all it comes from is whatever the algorithm assigns you to, which is based on what you happen to be clicking on into these feedback loops. You know, we need to break through the feedback loops if we're going to be able to start rebuilding consensus. Jupiter is trying to push us in that direction, especially right now. Jupiter goes so fast, though, he goes through all uh, about a year in each sign of the zodiac. So we get a chance to look at them all. But right now, it's more about melting into accepting the dualities in which we are living and moving and having our being. The dualities present in those pair of fish, that's the glyph for um, Pisces. So for the next couple months, this compassion works on all levels. You know, spend some time in self-care. Spend some time just being. Go out and watch the sunrise. Go out and watch the ocean come, tides roll in and roll out and just slow down a little bit. Make space for healing because we've been through the ringer these years have not been easy. And you can't go through something like this and not think it has an effect on you. It has an effect on all different levels. And we have not even seen the, the full extent of the trauma this has created. I mean, millions of deaths <laughs> is the tip of the iceberg of the trauma that we have all been through collectively and are still going through. So I think we all deserve to cut ourselves some slack and recognize that slowing down is okay so there's the there's the jupiter and pisces side be present to yourself and if you can be present to yourself you have a better chance of being present to other people if other people are yelling at you and making assumptions it's very difficult to be present to them if you don't have this if you haven't spent that time working on yourself just that's a that's a that's a really far bridge to ask someone to cross so if you want to do your part then start with being kind to yourself so that when other people are not kind to you or to others you can witness that or or even speak out in a kind way um, or that you are strong enough to listen most people just want to be heard they don't want to be lectured at they they're just afraid and they want to be heard and they're expressing their fear and the only way they have open to themselves with the information they have available which may be different from the information you have available most people are not out to be cruel believe it or not they just are working doing the best that they can with what they have. And what they have is just different than what you have. And so making space to listen is often the best strategy right now. All right, so let's move on to Mars. Mars has been in Sagittarius for the last couple of months. He's moving into the sign of Capricorn in the next month. Be there on the 24th of January. Sa uh, Mars in, in Sagittarius 
is bold and adventurous and foolish and risk-taking. Not always the best place to be when you're in the middle of a pandemic, quite frankly. Um, on its positive side, the courageousness can help us face all kinds of things. But on the negative side, um, he can be a little bit of a zealot and a my way or the highway. And, and so when he's acting on his negative expression, he's, he's, he can be pretty pedantic and completely not concerned with truth versus his own story. Sagittarius is the master of the tall tale that fills its ideology and its, you know, sense of self, not what's real. And so that's a difficult place. It's a difficult energy to balance when you are dealing with this heavy Saturnian pandemic -y energy. But Capricorn's moving in, I mean, uh, Mars is moving into Capricorn. Mars is what's called exalted in Capricorn. Mars is so much energy, you know, when he's in detriment, he's like a great big fire that's destroying everything. At least when he's in Capricorn, he's exalted because his energy is honed and focused and working toward a goal. And it's kind of like putting the energy and hooking it to a plow so that you can actually plow the fields in order to build something at the end of the day. So uh, Mars is much happier when he's in Capricorn. And quite frankly, we're all happier when he's in Capricorn because he can actually take that frenetic, that idea jumping around energy and do something with it. But it requires slowing down a little bit and being present in the moment. Uh, so this is a great time to all signs point to slowing down and being present to what you are doing. And if Mars and Capricorn can find the balance with Jupiter and Pisces, that's really the best of both worlds. Because Jupiter and Pisces can provide the compassion and the wisdom to know where to go and Saturn and Capricorn can provide the energy and drive to get it done. And if you can find the middle path between the two of those energies over the next month, you will find that middle road is nicely paved. You can just walk down the middle of it. But that requires you being centered in yourself to be able to manage and hold those complementary opposites. In the Kabbalah, this would be... Um, the sphere of Jupiter and the sphere of Mars. They're parallel to each other. Jupiter is the merciful ruler that knows how to provide for the land. Mars is the sacred warrior energy that knows how to defend, um, defend the kingdom. And both of them are necessary in order to have a healthy kingdom. So it's a very Kabbalistic signature that is happening over, over the next month or so. All right, so Venus, has already been in Capricorn. It's been in Capricorn since December and it's been retrograding in Capricorn. So Venus has kind of been plowing the fields here, making way for Mars and some of the other things that are happening in Capricorn this coming month. Um, Venus in Capricorn um, likes her earthly delights. She appreciates the simple 
She appreciates the small little gifts that life can bring when she's doing it well. She can also be a little bit materialistic and what's in it for me oriented and a little bit envious of what other people have. So hopefully the retrograde has been helping people to sort out those kinds of feelings. So to reconsider when we've let our materialistic side, mine, 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 like a little toddler. Uh, my daughter used to stay up once, no, mine, no, mine. <laughs> she even realized that it was like making a little rhythm and then she'd run around in a circle going, no, mine, no, mine. <laughs> That's very much Venus in Capricorn. Uh, her retrograde ends on the 29th of January. So that's just a couple days after Mars enters Capricorn. What makes this really interesting is that because of where Venus and Mars happen to be in their orbits, this very rare thing is happening where Venus and Mars are trucking along in Capricorn within a degree of each other from about the 10th of February to about the 16th of March. They're going to conjunct exactly twice in this process, and they're going to meet up with Pluto. So that's an awful lot of powerful stuff happening over the sign of Capricorn. Because another thing that Mars and Venus are, Mars is the energetic principle that drives us out, and Venus is the attractive principle that brings things to us. In alchemy, they are the principles of separation, which is Mars, and conjunction which is Venus. So they are a natural pair of complementary opposites. And whenever you have complementary opposites coming together, the friction between the two of them creates, creates everything. That's the nature of our physical reality. We may have been all one on some cosmic level, but when we are here, being spiritual beings, having a human experience, we have to learn how to live in polarity and balance the opposites because it's only in the creative tension between opposites that we find a way through and we grow and change and we learn. That is the, that's the playground that we are playing in. So there's a great big playground moment. Saturn teaches, I mean, uh, Mars teaches us how to be okay as an individual. We can be okay separate from other people. To have a sense of self, to not have to depend on what other people think of us, to not get caught up in that, oh, I can't do this or that because such and such won't like it. Mars breaks away from all of those things. Mars is like, this is the right thing to do for me and is strong in that feeling. That's one way of learning. The complementary way of learning is the Venusian way of learning that learns from relationships. It learns from how we relate to the other, especially when we are in a deep, intimate relationship with the other. And so when the two of them come together, it's, it's learning how, in the, in the words of the poet Khalil Gibran, to have spaces in our love so that we can grow together and yet not stamp each other out. In the process. This is a great month for the poetry of Khalil Gibran, by the way. And so on a personal level, I mean, on an interpersonal level, 
yes, this is going to show up in people's relationships. People who feel like they're stuck in relationships where they're not being supportive or they feel like they're being smothered or they feel like someone's being too independent. All of those are going to shake because people are trying to find a way to be in healthy partnerships. But on a personal level, this is all about how you relate to, in Jungian terms, the anima or the animus within you. Now, Carl Jung's philosophy, very alchemical, talks about the first of the sacred marriages. Um, in order to transcend to higher places in alchemy, we have to go in and we have to marry ourselves, our conscious mind to our, our subconscious or our intuitive self. And once that fusion happens between the conscious and the talky mind and the intuitive mind, together, the two of them can raise our material selves up to the divine self, which is the second of the sacred marriages. So the first, first of the sacred marriage is like the two opposites coming together and then as above and below come together. Okay, so that's basically the alchemical process with a lot of steps to make it happen. Mars and Venus represent the two internal opposites coming together, the masculine and feminine, the want to go out, the want to come in energies. It's the first step in, a, in learning how to transcend ourselves. And it's the creative step. It's the, it, it's the step that creates the philosopher's stone or the philosophical child, depending on which alchemical text you are reading, the, the seed that will grow into the great cosmic being. So there's a lot of seeds being planted this month internally for each one of us, if we are willing to bring some consciousness to the equation. If we don't bring consciousness to the equation, it's just gonna pass by and that's okay. Doesn't ha same thing doesn't happen to have to happen to everyone at the same time to be useful for the whole. But if you want to see what's happening in the collective, the best shot we have is looking on what's happening in our starry script. So this union of separation and conjunction is not only happening for such a long period of time. I mean, usually a Mars... Mars Venus conjunction is like bam and it's gone. <laughs> it's happening like all month long. It's a really long time. And Pluto's there in the middle. And what did we say about Pluto? It's part of the larger script that's happening. It's pulling apart old institutions, old ways of doing things. It's showing us our darkest tendencies so that we can bring them up and heal them. So this super potent creating the philosopher's child is happening right on top of that point. So what that's going to mean for us as individuals is it's really, really potent. And it gives us the chance to find the seeds of what we want to be. And it's going to come through our shadow self. So you're going to have to do it through sitting and meditating or keeping your book of shadows or, or working with your divination or watching your dreams to see what seeds you want to create. There's going to be an awful lot of people who are coming up with the, oh, I get what I'm supposed to do right now. They won't have time to manifest it, but they'll at least get a glimmer of what's possible. Don't expect any of it to manifest for a couple more years, but 
something's going to change. Something's going to give. And finally, as if all of this weren't enough, <laughs> we have Mercury retrograding this month, which is going to slow things down a lot more so that we can rate and review <laughs> what is happening. And Mercury's retrograding from the sign of Aquarius back into Capricorn. So Mercury's transiting from Aquarius backwards into Capricorn the day after Mars hits Capricorn from the other direction. So Venus and Mars are stepping into Capricorn from both sides of the Capricornian stage. So there's going to be, for, for a while there, there's going to be four planets in Capricorn. They will be Venus, Mars, Nept, uh, Mercury, and Pluto. So there's a lot of concentrated energy cleaning out Capricorn. Speaking of cleaning out, that Mercury retrograde is going right across the place where uh, Venus and Mars will be walking in conjunction with Pluto. And so it's like Mercury is giving us a chance to last chance, last chance to see if we can clean out that stuff we've been holding on to so that when it's time to plant the seeds, there's fertile soil because you know seeds you throw seeds on the on the stones throw seeds on the pavement they're not going to grow and if you are hard like a pavement if you haven't let jupiter moisten you and break you down a little bit and have some compassion and softness all the creativity in the world isn't going to grow because you're too hard for it to manifest so all the right ingredients are here at this moment in time for some pretty profound healing and change. So if you're asking what you can do to make the best of it, what you can do is use the promise that some of these things hold. The promise of softening yourself and having compassion for yourself. Start there. Now, a lot of times we find ourselves, bad things happen and we are in a heap on the floor and we are sobbing and crying at the injustice of it all and sitting and rotating around the pain of staring into the, the meaningless abyss. But it's those moments where compassion for ourselves can be born. And if we can melt into them and not keep trying to block the pain and the fear and just except that life is hard when we are these spiritual beings having a little human experience the human experience is not easy but if we can soften it's that softening that tills the ground so that we can plant the seeds for something new and you don't get the new unless you go through that dissolution in alchemy the negredo takes the calcination, the breaking down, the burning down, the dissolution, and then comes the separation and conjunction. So it's a process that's unfolding. And if you don't do the first stages, the second stages aren't going to be nearly as potent. So start with the being compassionate, making space for yourself, slowing down a little bit so that there is space for those seeds to be planted and the alchemical child can be fertilized. And even though it might take two or three years for you to see 
enough of a result from what that means for you in your three-dimensional world. Nothing will come of that if you don't do the work when you have spaces to do the work. And so this is probably one of the most potent inner times of the year is this coming month, this month and next month, because what's happening with this whole Mars Venus thing, it just, it keeps going on into March. So I'll probably be talking about it more over the coming weeks because it's really potent time for doing some anima animus work. If you don't know how to do that, I'm sure I will be talking about it. Finally, the little highlights of the uh, full moon and new moon are always like the, they're like the cherry on top or the dotted eye that points out different parts of the month to pay attention to. The new moon is happening in Aquarius is on January 31st. The new moon in Aquarius is always the Chinese New Year. And the Chinese New Year this year happens to be the Yang Water Tiger. Um, so the outwardly moving, watery, flexible tiger, which is the Chinese king of the beasts. So that's an awful lot of energy. It's a lot of direct energy. So it's a, it, the year comes in with the roar. Um, we will be seeing the repercussions of this year for some time to come, even if we don't recognize it until more time has passed. The full moon in Leo occurs, get this, on the same day as the first conjunction of Venus and Mars. So talk about a giant highlighter, full moon, shining and illuminating and charging up the day, that moment that Mars and Venus are together, like, oh, look at me. Uh, that's a potent moment. It's going to be an incredibly powerful moment for doing some spell work, especially when it comes to planting your intentions. So uh, I hope you will all be following along when we get to that point in the Magic and Mastery Coven and our full moon ceremony, because those ceremonies are going to be really powerful. A lot of stuff's going to be coming through them. Okay. And so that wraps up the kind of energy that we can expect this month. I always follow it up with pulling a few tarot cards and other oracle cards to see what they also say. And they, generally speaking, are always speaking the same language. I got the uh, page of pentacles or the page of coins, if you prefer, which is basically says, hey, hey, you've learned all these skills and that's awesome. But you can't master skills unless you start stop just thinking about them and start actually doing them. So all this stuff in Capricorn, it's not a thinking about place. It's a doing it place. So time for thinking is over, time for being, and time for putting things into practice so that you can demonstrate that you have learned them um, is here. The runestone I got was uh, Rido. Rido is a wagon wheel. So it's the wheel turning. It's the wheel turning that helps us find balance, but also keeps us moving forward. So be in motion, keep moving forward this month. Don't let yourself be stuck in a rut because that's not going to serve you. It's all about creating something new. And there's a difference between sitting still and waiting and being stuck. And if you don't know what the difference between those two of those things are, that is a perfect place for you to um, think about this coming month. The two other oracles that I pulled were one from the Lennerman deck, got the ring. The ring is a promise. 
of a new beginning. And in the uh, Isis Oracle, I picked the flower of life. The flower of life is another kind of promise. Flower of life is representative of the code of life that's woven into all of the natural world. Life always finds a way. No matter what is happening, life finds a way. And so all of these together are kind of offering a, a little solace, a little hope that even though things might feel exhausting and dark at times, that the seeds are still there, that that change is possible, and it starts with yourself and recognizing that life finds a way. It's not all on you, okay? Even you, as part of life, are programmed with the solution in you. And if you're banging your head against the wall and you feel like you can't find it, stop banging your head on the wall and just wait. And sometimes it's the waiting that attracts the very thing you're looking for. Don't be like Saturn. Don't be like Saturn. Don't like freak yourself out and, and be so terrified of your own mind projecting things that you eat your own young. If Saturn had just said, okay, well, nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to keep promoting the temperance. You know, his children would have grown up fine. Same for us. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies and you don't have to be, you have choices. Even if the choice is simply to stop doing whatever you're doing and wait until something better arises within you because it is within you. It's within all of us because it's part of who we are. And there you have it, my live and well, mostly uncut forecast. I was going to snip some things out and decided you could have the whole thing because you know, after I talked through it all, I realized that I'm actually looking forward to the coming months. And I hope you're looking forward to them as much as I am. But now it wouldn't be a Magic and Mastery podcast without an experiment. So for this experiment, I want you to take some time for a very special journaling question. Now, the transpersonal psychologist Carl Jung talked about the inner nature of our psyche in several different parts and the process of our enlightenment, our individuation, is learning how to get all the parts to work together successfully. And one of those parts he talked about was the concept of what he termed the anima or the animus. It's basically the suggestion that we have a persona that our soul expresses outwardly in the world and that all the rest of our personas that we don't express outwardly get pushed down into our subconscious. They get submerged. And so there's parts of our soul self that we have deemed not socially acceptable. And so we don't use them as much. They become less dominant in our personalities. He related this to the concept of the anima and the animus with the sense that a masculine type personality would repress their more feminine traits when they're a feminine type personality would suppress their more masculine traits. Now, obviously, when he was writing 100 years ago, we have become much more sophisticated in our modern era about uh, gender fluidity. So I don't think it's quite as simple as just girls get an animus, boys get an anima. But I think Jung's perspective still has merit in the sense that there are parts of ourselves that 
as a whole soul, we don't feel like are acceptable to express in our lives. And this is a great month with all the Mars Venus stuff going on that lets us bring out what some of those pieces are. And so this journaling question is simply an open-ended question that invites you to have a conversation with that inner anima slash animus or whatever you want to call the inside parts of yourself that you are not expressing in your world. And so just find a quiet place and quiet yourself down, relax, pull out your journal. And with the concept of talking to the parts of your personality that aren't fully expressing in the world, just ask the simple question, who are you? And what would you like to express? What do you want from the world? And you may not get a clear answer all at once, but over time, if you can establish a dialogue in writing with these parts of yourself, you will find amazing things that you never knew before. These parts of yourself waiting to be known so that you can become whole. And I think that's enough for an experiment, considering that done well could save you years on your therapy bills. Now, if you want to get these forecasts several weeks earlier, you can always join the live recording of my astrology forecasts so you too can ask questions or receive the companion workbook to help you make the energies more personal for your own life and so much more that is in my Magic and Mastery Coven. Because really, the coven has everything you need to support your magical practice. There are now over 50 hours of lessons on magic, on divination, on priestess craft, alchemy, dozens and dozens of guided meditations, and a community to share the journey with. And it's all included for one low monthly price in the Magic and Mastery Coven, you can find out more at www.magicandmastery.com coven. We would love to have you join us. And now don't forget, before you leave, check out the show notes at www.magicandmastery.com podcast. I've included the timestamps and the links to all kinds of things talked about in the episode, just to make it easy to refer back to the sections that you're most interested in. And so thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Magic and Mastery podcast. Of course, I love getting your feedback because it helps me to figure out what makes you jazz so I can provide more of the good stuff. So it would mean so much to me if you just take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. And if you like it, why don't you share it with a friend? <laughs>